0: Welcome everybody to another episode of what the funk. My name is Elena. I am the owner and founder of DumpYourDiet.com, where we are here on a mission to break down diet culture and the impact that it has on our health, on our hormones, our metabolism. So we can find ways to live within our bodies that let us feel good. Let us feel energized and empower us to care for ourselves and make choices without guilt um, or shame around food, around movement, around any of it. So Um, today I'm very much excited because I'm recording a two part series today. Um, specifically, uh, a Q and a podcast, which I'm very excited about because this is the first Q and a podcast that I have ever considered doing. And you all really brought the heat with the questions. There were some really specific topics that several people wanted me to speak on. Um, and I'm really excited, which is why it is a two part episode, um, or a two part series um one episode or part one will go up today um, or this week, and the second part will go up next week. So this week, this episode is going to be um, going up on Thursday, May 11th, and the next episode, part two, will be going up on Thursday, May 18th, Um, because I didn't want to have to rush through any of the information, and I really wanted to make sure I covered all of the basics. Now, a lot of these topics, I will end up diving deeper because as I was going through this, I'm like, wow, there's like so much more information I really could include in this episode um, on these topics. So these are probably all going to become their own individual podcast episodes in the coming weeks um, and months. I'm very much looking forward to bringing this content to you. Um, And if you are watching this on YouTube, because I have been cross-posting to YouTube with captions for um, anybody in my audience who is hard of hearing or deaf or just prefers the YouTube um, out you know, that, that platform specifically. Um, and, uh, if you are watching this, please do not mind my pile of, uh, extra clothes and sweaters and purses on the chair in the background of my video. Um, it is what it is. You know what I mean? But I'm very excited because the last two weeks, um, the last few episodes, I haven't been able to do video. I've been trying to record video, um, just to save time, like do it on zoom, but doing it on zoom. And then also having my audio recorder software open at the same time really costs a lot of problems for me from a audio perspective so we're just not gonna play that game anymore I got my camera up and running um you guys are gonna laugh at me but I uh was trying to set my camera up and get everything going and I couldn't find my memory card couldn't find my memory card and I only have one I only have one because I'm not like a huge huge photographer Right, I take my camera with me to record in the gym for content and for marketing um and I have my camera here like I use it to record reels every now and then um and I had used it to kind of do the podcast and was kind of trying to dabble in YouTube and And then things just got busy. Some things shifted within my business and I just didn't have the bandwidth to do that. hoping to eventually do that again because a lot of the um, content that I would love to do for funsies is like productivities and with planners and like how I plan and and what are the phases that I go through because I feel like it's, it's, you know, helpful. It's always helpful for me to see other people with ADHD and how they um, manage their time and manage their productivity. So I was like really excited to do that. Um, We'll see if I get back to that sometime this year. But for now, um, just the podcast will be cross-posted up on YouTube as well um you can find me under coach Elena but if you just search what the funk podcast you will also find my videos um and uh yeah so let's go ahead and jump in I got my little cup of green tea here with me because it is currently uh two o'clock in the afternoon so we are no longer doing caffeine today make sure that you're taking care of your adrenals friends (sighs) got some really tasty green tea one of my favorite things. I always have like an emotional support drink with me. Um in the morning I will usually do no more than like two cups of coffee and then I switch to like matcha and hot tea in the afternoon. Um just to give me something uh because you know, I just follow the dopamine. I don't make the rules. All right. So part one today, what we're going to go over is we're talking hormones, metabolic rate, metabolic rate specific to Hashimoto's. Um, We're going to be talking about hormone friendly, gut friendly snacks. I got that question. A question about libido, which is also really good. And the managing PMS with food or supplements. So um, some pretty cool topics. I'm very excited. So the first question that I got asked or one of the questions that I got asked, I tried to organize them all after I compiled them. Hormones where do I start? Where do I start? Now I did do, um, you know, an episode on this, um, you know, episode eight, hormone health overload, where to start. So if you have time to listen to episode eight and then episode nine, what to do when your doctor says you're fine, but you still feel like shit. (laughs) Um, so we're going to, um, those are two really good listens for this. So we will just do some kind of basic answers to this. So the first step is actually assessing what potential hormone imbalance do you have? Do you also have issues with your digestive system that are compounding on this? And usually the the answer is yes. Usually if you're dealing with some kind of hormone imbalance, you're also dealing with some kind of digestive issues as well to some degree. Um, but at its most basic level, if you have any recurring issues with brain fog, fatigue, Especially that mid-afternoon crash, right? Like that two, three p.m. crash. Um, you feel wired and tired in the evening. Have a hard time falling asleep. You struggle with sleep. You struggle to stay asleep. You have a lot of PMS. You have low libido. You have high levels of irritability. You get really strong cravings. Um, that's a sign that something is off. And really strong cravings doesn't necessarily need to be in relation to your period. It can be just in general because sometimes that can be a sign that there is something going on with your um, insulin resist, potential insulin resistance, resistance, and energy management. We will be talking about that in part two but usually if you're dealing with any of this on any con- with any kind of regularity that is a sign that something is off. Now, to what level of severity are things off? It's going to depend on maybe how long it's been going on and, uh, you know, other factors. But that's generally an idea that something is off. Now, our bodies are very smart. They will talk to us. They will tell us what is going on. But we are usually just too stubborn to listen. We don't want to be convinced that the things that we're doing, um, especially if they're things that we enjoy, are potential disruptions. you know, decisions that we're making and choices that we're making that are dysregulatory for our systems. Um, other things to look out for, um, that, scale kind of consistently creeps up despite any major changes in lifestyle. I get a lot of people that are like, I feel like I just really gained like 20, 30 pounds over the last few years, but like, I really haven't changed my lifestyle or how I live very much. That's usually a sign of hormone imbalance. You have maybe thinning hair or you shed a lot of hair, especially in comparison to before you have very dry skin. Um, maybe you're dealing with some hormonal acne, Um, anxiety depression and ADHD, right? Mental health issues also can compound with digestive health specifically, as well as hormone imbalance. And it's like, which came first, the mental health or the hormone health? And it's like, does it doesn't matter? Because at that point, you really need to address both. One thing that I've been researching and working a lot with myself and my clients is how can we also support our bodies from a functional perspective with mental health? Um, how can we bring in different supplements, nootropics specifically, um, are one thing that I've been really getting into lately because they help improve our body's receptors, our brain's receptors, receptors to things Things like dopamine and serotonin, which if you have ADHD and depression and anxiety, um, I have all three. Hi, hello, welcome to the circus. Um, that's really huge. And that has something that's been really beneficial to me and several of my clients, um, implementing something like that, um, from a supplement standpoint, right? Not anything that's crazy, but just a little bit. Um, now one thing that I will be doing that will be very exciting is I'm actually going to be having a freebie going to be launching here soon. Um, that is going to be essentially a, are you expecting? experiencing this? Yes or no. And it's kind of like a flow chart. It's going to take you sort of from point A to point B of most, a very basic overview of some major hormonal issues and things that people experience, right? We're talking like adrenal issues, estrogen dominance, potential thyroid issues, um, IBS or other digestive issues, which fun fact, IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome is really just like a series of, um, symptoms. It's not necessarily a disease, but it is something that the medical community uses to label somebody who has a lot of digestive issues. And what's unfortunate about that is then people sort of internalize that label and they just feel like they're stuck there, right? So kind of IBS or just general issues um, in and of itself. Um, and that will be available. I will leave a link in the show notes so you can get sort of first access to that um, and get yourself on the list to get that. Um, there will be a link in the show notes so you can do that or you can just DM me flowchart or just be like, hey, kind of. I get that thing that you talked about in the Q and a, and I will know exactly what you're talking about. It's hundred percent free. And at the end of each sort of pathway or potential outcome, there's actually going to be a link to, um, a part of my website. That's going to take you through a video of like, okay, these are the things that you need to look for. Um, and then here's some very, you know, sort of first steps that anybody should be taking if they're dealing with sort of these things. Right. So I'm very much excited about that because I really, my goal is to just keep getting people educated and empowered on what's going on with their body so that you can make the best decisions for yourself that you can. All right. Tea time. All right. The next two questions are really interesting. So metabolic rate. And the metabolic rate specific to Hashimoto's. So, metabolism specifically, metabolism is adaptive. Basically, if you eat less, your metabolism slows down. If you stoke the fire and you feed yourself, your metabolism increases. Now, it's obviously a little bit more complicated than that. Muscle mass specifically plays a really big role in metabolic rate, um, which is super important because essentially, the more muscle you have, the more storage you have for energy and nutrients, the more food you can eat, um, and the more energy you have to burn, which is really cool. But the issue with this is that through diet culture right now you see where I'm getting this like dump your diet diet culture has kind of ruined us is people are constantly in a state of trying to eat to lose weight they're trying to eat to make themselves smaller they're trying to stay in a calorie deficit in order to manage their body weight and they just kind of continue suppressing their metabolism suppressing their metabolism suppressing their metabolism well what happens if you suppress your metabolic rate your hormones also down regulate right um, cr- you know issues you start to have issues with hunger satiety your thyroid cells down your sex hormones start to, to start to um, have some issues as well. Um, sleep and stress play a huge role as well as metabolic in metabolic rate. And if you are not sleeping well, or you are dealing with chronic stress, your metabolism is going to have a hard time staying at a healthy, comfortable rate that will help you just stay at just a really solid, comfortable, healthy body weight for you as an individual. Um, if you are not sleeping well, this is why too, sometimes a lot of times, like I've got a lot of clients weirdly enough that deal with sleep apnea. And as soon as that sleep apnea gets managed, their bodies just start responding to everything 10 times better because now your body's getting what it needs at its most basic level. It's getting the rest and recovery that it needs, right? So sleep and stress are really huge with metabolic rates. So again, metabolism is adaptive. Your body is smart. It is very hard to outsmart your body's systems. You really have to learn how to work within them. Now, again, some just lifestyle choices that people make, right? Like doom scrolling at night on TikTok is gonna be really difficult. All right, it's gonna impact your sleep. It's gonna impact your stress. And then people are wondering, why their metabolism is slowing down and it's like well you know that it is what it is now your metabolism can't like break you know it's there's always a way to get it running up and running again but again to what level how severe is it right do you are you just dealing with some sort of like you know so you know small hormonal compensations in order to manage energy because you've been chronic dieting for the last couple of years or are you like in insulin resistance or metabolic syndrome and we really have to reverse engineer and probably do quite a few things to get you back to where you're going it depends on the individual but the good news is is that your metabolism can't necessarily break but it is adaptive it will adapt to what you offer it Now specific to Hashimoto's. Hashimoto's, for those of you that don't know, is an autoimmune thyroid disease. Now what is an autoimmune disease? This is where the body um, produces antibodies to attack certain systems within the body. So for example, in Hashimoto's, the body produces antibodies that attack the thyroid, which impair its function and cause it to basically not Work at all, um, which is which is really not good. Um, you know, likewise, um, you know, we have um, irritable bowel syndrome, which is just a collection of symptoms. Now, irritable bowel disease is actually an autoimmune disease where the body is attacking parts of the digestive tract, right? So, an autoimmune disease is where the body is literally producing antibodies to systems and tissues within your body, causing a lot of issues. So, when we're dealing with metabolism in regards to Hashimoto's, managing inflammation is Key. If you're dealing with heavy levels of inflammation within your body um, and within your thyroid, your antibodies are really high, um, then you're going to have a really hard time managing your metabolic rate with Hashimoto's. Um, Specifically with nutrition, um, it's very likely that you're going to have to remove gluten, potentially dairy, potentially a few other things, especially if you're dealing with a lot of symptoms and your Hashimoto's is really not well managed yet. Um, The reason being is because usually with Hashimoto's, there's high levels of um, intestinal permeability, which can sometimes be one of the root causes of this thyroid inflammation, right? Um, You know, I always say, um, and I can't remember who I heard this from, one of my, one of the mentors that I've had over the several last several years, um, said something along the lines of, uh, genetics loves the gun environment pulls the trigger. So if you're already like kind of genetically predisposed to having thyroid issues, there's other people with thyroid autoimmune disease within, uh, your family. Um, you had a much higher chance of developing it. Developing it. And a lot of times, um, like high levels of digestive and permeabil- digestive permeability intestinal permeability there we go or leaky gut syndrome can be a factor in it triggering within somebody's body right it's kind of like lying in wait and then something's got to pull the trigger um now other things um are you training too hard on too little sleep? This is one thing that I was having a lot of trouble with when I first got diagnosed and I had to back off big time, big time with my training. I was training five days a week and I was trying to stay in a calorie, you know, very controlled calorie intake. And I had to really drop my training down and really, you know, increase the amount of nutrients that I was eating on a daily basis, not even, you know, which sort of subsequently increased my calories, you know, because sometimes we get so obsessed with the calories and the macro breakdown that we forget that we actually need to eat like vegetables and fruits and we sort of look at food for its calorie value and not necessarily its nutrient value from a vitamins and minerals standpoint. I had to inter- you know, introduce a lot more food into my system um, as well as supplementation, right? Making sure that I have like a really solid multivitamin that's got selenium, that's got iodine, that's got l in some situations because the iodine and l can help improve that um, that uptake of that T4 to T3 and that conversion to T3 um, with the thyroid. So. Um, Now, once your digestion is good with Hashimoto's, you're sleeping well, you're being proactive with stress management, then you could start implementing something like tracking macros potentially to see where your metabolic baseline is, right? To see where is sort of your body's happy place, where is sort of your maintenance. And then you can train with intensity, but you maybe want to opt for a four day split versus like a five day split in order to give yourself that time to manage recovery and inflammation. And that's really going to be the driving factors between, uh, uh, with managing your metabolic rate and in autoimmune thyroid. Disease, Right now, are these things that I maybe kind of recommend to people across the board with the people that I work with, with the clients that I have. Yes, because almost everybody that I work with is coming through the door with some sort of known issue in place, whether it's PCOS, whether it's Hashimoto's, whether it's IBS or a combination of multiple things, endometriosis. Right. Um, and we have to sort of manage inflammation within the body. So this is just good recommendations for anybody who already sort of has any kind of like known or pre-existing, or you recognize some of the symptoms of the hormones, where to start. And you're dealing with some of that stuff stuff um the this is just really good basic information all right now the next question is really fun and there I can't quite remember who I answered this but I'm sorry because I'm probably not going to answer this in the way that you were hoping that I was going to answer this tea time hold please oh so refreshing okay and the question was can you give us some hormone friendly or gut friendly snacks for on the go now this is where people are gonna roll their eyes at me. Um, And I even, I'm looking at my notes right now and the first bullet point I put under this was, no one's gonna like this answer. There is not one specific gut or hormone friendly food that I can recommend across the board. (laughs) The reason why is because everybody is different the root cause of issues for everybody is different and everybody deals with different foods that potentially cause inflammation. And that's going to be dependent on, it's just, it. you guys, I do not have one single client where the things that they respond to is exactly the same as the person next to them, even if they have the same potential diagnoses given to them by their medical providers. Um, every single person is different. Now I can give you, um, you know, okay. And the other note I, I said here is if you are dealing with dysregulation, right, you have hormone, issues, you have gut issues. You might have certain foods that are normally considered healthy that could be making you not feel so good. So one particular, um, thing that I can think of off the top of my head is nightshades. Nightshades is a really common inflammatory food because it, um, contains alkaline alkalines or alkaloids. There we go. I was like, hold on, that's not the right word. Um, and I don't have it in front of me and they contain alkaloids. And these can cause a lot of issues with people who have high levels of intestinal permeability or that leaky gut syndrome, or, um, they're experiencing just, they ha- they have another known, um, you know, uh, issue going on. So I'm going to tell you guys a really, uh, t- my story here for a moment so when I was going through my initial diagnosis with Hashimoto's and I went through an entire elimination diet which this is something that I will do with clients when it's appropriate when we're like having issues and we can't seem to pinpoint exactly what's going on sometimes I'm like you know what maybe we should do an elimination diet because you might be consuming something that unbeknownst to us is causing some further inflammation and that's why you know you're still dealing with this or we're not seeing this progress that we thought we were going to see etc etc um and one of the groups of foods that i remove and that i always take my clients to removal of is nightshades now these are gonna like tomatoes peppers right um things like that eggplant blueberries are a nightshade ashwagandha is a nightshade um so those are coming some of the more well-known ones mushrooms are not a nightshade and neither are onions, which is people get them confused. Those are pod maps, um, so they are not nightshades. Um, and what ended up happening? So I eliminated them for like three, four weeks, and then I ate. Then I ate some tomatoes. Yeah, I I thought I love tomatoes. I love the little cherry tomatoes. I love snacking on them. And when I tell you, I got so violently ill. I felt like I had literally ripped myself a new asshole. Like I got so sick, stomach cramps just, it was, it was bad. You guys, it was really bad. And this is one of the things that I find that if I'm seeing somebody who has really high levels of digestive discomfort, lots of cramping, lots of pain, I will say, Hey, let's, let's take these off for a couple weeks, reintroduce them and see how you feel. And every single person that I've tried that with now, I'm not saying you need to go do it, but maybe try it. Um, they're, they feel better within like a week, like 90% of their issues sort of, come down. Now, can I eat tomatoes now? Yes. Because once you've sort of given your body time to recover, you've allowed that intestinal lining to repair itself. You've reestablished some balance within your body. Most people can reintroduce these foods because it's not necessarily that they're allergic to them. It's just that those foods are causing an inflammation, um, inflammatory response. So fun fact. Yes. So this is why I don't necessarily have a specific hormone friendly or gut friendly snacks on the go. A lot of times I actually find that sometimes I need to do an elimination diet, but what I can tell you is The best thing that you can do for your gut health specifically, and then subsequently your hormone health with food is not necessarily a probiotic, but a a vary your nutrient intake, vary your nutrient intake. Don't eat the same exact things always week in and week out. Now this, this is not like a hard and fast rule for every person, but I would say most individuals would benefit. Their health will benefit. Their digestive health will benefit. Their energy levels will benefit if they took a little bit of time to like rotate in a new vegetable or two or three, or a new fruit or two or three every single week, um, and just swap it out with something else that you would normally eat. So yeah. All right. And that's going to be better for you really than any probiotic will be. And that's one thing that I really recommend people do. I do this with a lot of my clients and I say, okay, especially if it's too much too for, for meal planning, sometimes we will do like smoothies and like every week I'm like, try just new food, put a new fruit, put a new green, choose something different than you did a week or two ago. And let's start varying that diet, um, diet being the food choice that somebody's making, not a diet in order to lose weight, right? We're, we're switching the meaning of the word diet. It's not something that you're doing to lose weight. It's just, just something that references the food choices that you make on a daily basis. Um, and that can be very, very beneficial to some people. So that's a strategy that I use with my clients. Um, typically, okay. Now we're going to libido, how to increase your libido. So this is typically caused by a low sex hormone production, but this is usually followed prior to this by adrenal dysfunction. So your adrenals or your cortisol management, right? Your stress levels have a very big impact on your sex hormones. And every single person that I see with downregulated sex hormones, okay, not every single person, I would say like 90% of people that I see that, present labs to me and we see biofeedback of things like estrogen dominance, low testosterone, stuff like that. But they're also showing signs of adrenal dysfunction that wired and tired. They have that energy crash. They just have a really hard time. They're very inflamed. Their face is kind of puffy. Their joints feel kind of achy, right? Um, they usually have very adrenals that are in some state of compensation, like and compensation, meaning like specifically cortisol and DHA. I'm looking at like, okay, which one's trying to get the other one going? <laughs> <laughs> um, or they're just in adrenal insufficiency, which is where everything's kind of tanked and their adrenals have just sort of sputtered out at this point. And so they don't have enough cortisol within their system, which can be just as bad as too much cortisol. Um, sometimes that's actually worse if, if I'm being honest, um, from a recovery standpoint too, it's much easier to manage and downregulate cortisol than it is to try to get it to come back up after it's been just tanked for so long. And usually this comes in the form of also progesterone is extremely low. Estrogen is extremely low low. Testosterone is extremely low, right? Everything is just low. And so then you don't have a sex drive. You just don't have a sex drive. So, um, adrenal dysfunction is really going to be the thing that we're going to talk about. Okay. Okay. Um, and this is going to be my first step with somebody with sex hormones is to address stress management, which I know you guys are thinking like, can i just take like a supplement no because you can't put a band-aid on a bleeding you you can't put a band-aid on a wound that needs stitches you need to address the actual root cause which is likely going to be some form of adrenal dysfunction so proactive stress management are you doing this are you waiting to de-stress until you're already stressed and seems coming out of your ears are you really truly doing something on a daily basis that allows your body's threshold for stress to slowly increase like deal with emotional mental acute stress right Are you doing something on a daily basis that's giving your body a fighting chance, breathwork, meditation, five minutes of silence, reading, coloring, puzzles, walks outside, sunshine, right? Or are you waiting until you're stressed to the max and then you book yourself a two-hour massage and then you, like, you do feel better because, like, who doesn't love a two-hour massage? Although I feel like that's almost too long to lie on the table, to be completely honest. Um, But... I get antsy. I like, I just give me like a 60 minute massage and I'm good. Um, I get antsy. (laughs) I really do. Um, Or like, do you need to start looking at, I need to set aside 10 to 15 minutes of the day, regardless of everything else that I have going on. Because if you don't make the time, your body will force you to make the time at some point. It will force you to make the time with illness. It'll force you to make the time with fatigue, right? Where you just sit there and you're frozen and you can't do anything because your brain is so foggy and you don't, you have a long list of things to do, but you just can't, you just can't right? Um, how is sleep? How's your sleep environment? How's your sleep hygiene? These are very low ticket, I- low, some low ticket items for improving sleep and sleep quality is check your pillow, check your sheets, get, a different you know get away to blanket get a sleep mask get a sound machine or some earplugs right get some blackout curtains um and bigger ticket items that you might consider too is does your mattress need to be updated do you have sleep apnea right i mentioned earlier sleep apnea can really be a big issue now if you're kind of experiencing some of this and you're like i want to get labs but i don't know where to start um what i want to let you know is i have something coming up for people that are potentially interested in getting some support so if you're not on my email list you're gonna wanna get on my email list for this next month or so, okay? I promise you. Um, I will leave the link in the show notes to just sort of generally opt into my email list. I also send out free recipes every single month and like resources um, to my email community that I do not share on Instagram. Um, and so it's a good place to be. It's a good place to be. If you like new recipes to try every month, I usually do like kind of like one meal. Um, like a dessert option and then something that's like meal prep friendly, right? I try to keep it, keep it mixed up. And I do give considerations for making things gluten and dairy free, because I know that's something that my audience cares about. Cause that's something that matters to me too, as an individual. Now, um, uh, managing PMS with food or supplements. This one's going to be very basic. Most people can sort of benefit from getting one, a good multivitamin, but one, a good multivitamin that's got some vitamin E that's got some magnesium. Um, I'm going to leave a link in the show notes below for my sort of favorite multivitamin. That's got a much higher, um, amount of good nutrients keeping in mind that you're only absorbing maybe like 10% of the nutrients from <laughs> a multivitamin when it, at the end of the day so some of the amounts seem high that's because our bodies just aren't uptaking the all those um that entire volume of something that's in a multivitamin so getting something that has a proper dosage of everything or proper daily values of everything that or something that even exceeds the daily values is going to be kind of important but also um if you're also dealing with digestive issues you're going to be absorbing even less and that's so I will leave a link to my my personal favorite just general multivitamin that I can recommend to people down below in the show notes. Um, it's not terribly expensive. I think it's like maybe like $30 for a two-month supply or something like that. It's it's not terribly expensive. Um, and frank, nutrient deficiencies play a huge role in PMS. In addition to that, I would like you to increase your fiber and dietary fat intake, especially during the second half of your 28 to 30 day cycle, because this is going to support prostaglandin 2, PGE2, which is antispasmodic, which is going to help reduce cramps, increased fiber and dietary fats is going to help you better manage energy and blood sugar, which can play a big role in, um, you know, uh, cravings and, and hunger, eat a little bit more food during the second half of your cycle, because a lot of people don't realize that your metabolism is working harder during that second half of your cycle. So if you need to increase your meal size or eat a few more snacks throughout the day, eat a few more snacks, but be aware that, you know, the, just because your metabolism is running faster, isn't an excuse for you to just like shove two or three bags of chips down your throat, like go get something that has some fruit, vegetables protein um you know nuts and fats and things like that and then go have a chocolate bar right let's let's get your baseline covered first and then you can go my thing is crunch bars i love nestle crunch bars they're so good Um, and that's, that's honestly, that's a perfect place to start for managing your PMS symptoms. You do that for two, three months. I think you're going to realize that you don't have nearly as much issues as you thought you were having. Um, and if you still are, then there's probably something else going on under the hood. And then that would be a good time to reach out about getting some like targeted support of I've been trying to do this and it just still isn't working and I don't know what else to do. All right, you guys, that is it for part one. Um, the next episode, I'm excited. We're going to dive into hormonal acne, PCOS, things like that, PMDD, and I'm super, super excited. excited about it um, because those are going to be some good combos. Um, Please leave a rating and review down below. If you are listening to this, take a screenshot and share it on social media. I would love to know your thoughts. If there's anything that you do want me to cover, let me know and I'll see you guys in the next one.